return to Northmore. The first half of episode 6. Running time, 20 minutes. Welcome to Return to Northmore Podcast. This is Kim. And this is Tim. And tonight we're going to be going through our third session, which is called Descendants. Ooh, yes, Descendants. You'll find out why at the very end. You know, it seems like we're descending into something, but it's not that punny. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe it's more punny than I'd like it to be. (laughs) Anyway. So tonight is going to be a very investigative kind of session. That's right. Whereas last session was sort of combat heavy, this session is going to be investigation heavy, where the PCs will run around to various folks and ply them for information. So if you've ever played a Call of Cthulhu game, you know exactly what we're talking about. Right. We're all going to be running around trying to find things out and what's going on, and there will be one tiny battle in there. All of your characters that were bored last time because they really don't fight that much, well, they're going to have lots of stuff to do this time. And if you have a party of all people who prefer the battle element, you'll want to sort of skim through a lot of this. Our first scene is called Investigation in the Lost Village, and this picks up after our last session where they had discovered the raft man had been hung, they discovered that their mentor had been captured by Sahuagin, and they want to investigate what has happened with all of that and what it all means and what can they find out in the Lost Village, and this is their chance to poke around. They're not going to find a lot, but this is what they will find. There are a few things to discover while they're looking around the Lost Village, which is fairly deserted at this point. If they go to the northern edge of the village, they're going to find a very large barrel. And it seems to have remnants of the needle fang drake swarm that they encountered during the last session. They're going to have the understanding then that it was left purposefully outside of the village. With the drakes in it, and then someone's popped it open and unleashed the drakes upon the village at a very particular time. If you have them looking around and there's somebody who actually has some really good skills, they're going to be able to detect some Sahuagin tracks around the barrel as well. So if you have a ranger who can do tracking or something like that, they can make rolls to find those Sahuagin tracks around the barrel. Now, the raft man paid some less than scrupulous people in the town to spread some rumors that there was gold found in them their bogs. They'll be able to find that out as well. So he sent word ahead of when they actually arrived in the Lost Village to someone in the village to spread this rumor about. Now, ideally, if your PCs have a less than scrupulous contact in the Lost Village from their character creation, this is the person that spread that rumor around at the Raftmaster's request. After the characters are done their investigation of the environs of the village, they may want to go shopping to outfit themselves a little bit more, which might be a little bit difficult as the village is somewhat deserted. If you need to have a store, feel free to make one up for them to buy some sundries at, but really only mundane items, nothing really fancy. It's pretty cleaned out. As well, if you need an opportunity to take some of your adventurers on side adventures, this is a really good time to do that as well. If you want to introduce your own side adventures, now would be a great time to do it. If there's uh, particular stuff that you want to have them go off and do to uh, raise up a level, if you're not doing the double XP, then this would be a great time to do it as well. If you don't do that and you're doing the double XP, they should be second level at the end of this session. Also, if you found that you're really enjoying it and some of your players are enjoying this 
adventure, they might have asked friends to join, and this is a good place for them to join in as well. New characters can be introduced. So if they're investigating the Raft Man's murder, they can crawl all over the warehouse, and they're not really going to find a whole lot. They will eventually find a small hole in the top of the warehouse that was described last time where the uh, the homunculus had gotten in. Other than that, there's really not a lot of evidence, and there's no one around who really saw anything because everybody's out in the box. It's kind of a mystery. They know that they didn't do it. And frankly, no one really liked him, so the local authorities, such as they are, could care less. Your characters then might go, well, now what are we going to do? So you can head them towards two different places. One, they can go and talk to the ranger again to get some more information. Or they can go to the inn, which the ranger will direct them to, and there they will meet Sergeant Rose. Now, they may still be talking to the ranger right after the events of last session, in which case he'll launch right into his spiel, which we'll describe in the next scene. However... If they decide they want to pack it in for the night or they're particularly curious about what happened at the outpost, they can go talk to Sergeant Rose, who's staying at the inn, which the ranger is managing. He has just come from the outpost and is sort of hiding out in the inn, hoping not to get caught by more shark men. When the PCs find him, he is writing a letter to one of them, and he is trying to explain what happened at the outpost, and he wants to tell them that the mentor has told them to seek out the Bogman. And if they get through with the ranger and they ask him what he thinks they should do next, he'll say, I would suggest you seek out the Bogman. If anybody knows what's going on with the shark men, it would be him. If the characters go ahead and continue discussing things with Sergeant Rose, he will let them know that he and two other fighters had been out trying to play a prank on one of the other outposts. And their plan was is to turn a flag upside down in the middle of the middle outpost. So they weren't at the original outpost during the attack. So again, there's this string of outposts along the seacoast. The main outpost, the original outpost, is the one where the mentor usually is, and the one that the PCs had served at. But there's two other outposts strung out along the sea. Sergeant Rose had gone to play a practical joke on the middle outpost by turning one of their flags upside down, a typical sort of practical joke that they'd played amongst each other. However, when he came back... He found that the outpost had been completely destroyed, that there had been a garrison of about 55 people there, and only 15 of them remained alive, and another 15 were missing. So he had assumed they were kidnapped by the Sahuagin. The physical plant of the outpost was still there. The outpost was still standing. The doors were wide open as if someone had opened them from the inside. And there was just Sahuagin bodies all over the courtyard as well as the bodies of many of the outpost staff. He also will tell the PCs that he found a huge six-armed Sahuagin dead in the middle of the outpost courtyard. Who had apparently been brought down by the concerted effort of the soldiers there at the outpost. Many of the men from other outposts were sent to cover the main outpost, but they are very understaffed, and he's very concerned about that. A request had been sent out to the large city where the king resides to get more men to staff that outpost. You hopefully have built up a bunch of relationships between the mentor and each of the PCs. This was a great time for Sergeant Rose to deliver more personal messages to the PCs as well. If you have love letters, that's a nice time. If you have direct orders, that's a great time to pass those on to the PCs. Final thing that Sergeant Rose will pass on is that Nolar, the former sword teacher of the king, is now in charge of all of the outposts and he has no love for the mentor or his friends. His friends being the Bogman and the Ranger and some other people that uh, we'll talk about very soon. So if the PCs decide to continue on their conversation with the Ranger, he will tell them 
a very long and detailed tale. And this tale is very important for them to get because there are two tales that will come out in this session that are key to a whole lot of things that happen for the rest of the entire campaign. And the ranger is going to tell them the tale of the Star Temple. And this is our next scene now. So this next scene begins when uh, the group goes and talks to the ranger about the coins that they've found, the rods, the raft master's murder, or anything like that. He'll launch into this whole tale about what happened to him and his friends in the past. And they're very privileged because not very many people know this full story. He's telling it to them because he thinks that they can help. This can happen directly after the last battle from the last session while they're doing kind of the mop up and clean up. Or it can happen that evening after they have been done speaking with Sergeant Rose in the inn. So the ranger sits them down and tells them the story of what happened to his old adventuring group. If you'll recall from our last session, he's a former adventurer and he quit adventuring for some reason. Well, now they're going to find out why. He and his old friends, who were an adventuring party, were sent by the king to locate the Star Wand, an artifact supposedly allowing the wielder to harness the power of the stars, whatever that means. And this Star Wand was supposed to be in one of five ancient star temples. It was rumored to be in the mountains east of the big city, and the king had come upon this through investigation of ancient texts. Now, we'll find out a little bit more about the king as time goes on, but you remember some rumors from our previous sessions. He's not been able to have a child, he's getting older, and he's looking for options. Yes. Um, you also have had rumors that a merchant's guild is looking at co-opting the power of the outlying villages and towns. The ranger's tale is something that happened quite a while ago, and you'll have to adjust exactly how long ago it happened based on what people decided that the mentor was like, what people decided that the ranger was like, their ages and all that sort of stuff. But it happened quite a while ago. So they went there to try and locate this star wand. They succeeded. They did find the star temple. After much danger trying to get in and eventually losing their precious torchbearer to a trap, they found their way inside. And when they got there, they found the star wand. The wizardess of the group went ahead and climbed up on top of the dais and took it off of it. And then a portal opened. A bunch of tall purple creatures stepped out of this portal and then captured the group. This is a good time to remind you that this is kind of an epic tale that the ranger is telling the PCs. So really try to make this very serious. Right. They went in fully expecting to fight off all kinds of monsters to fight their way through. They thought they were pretty tough adventurers. Um, they're all sixth to eighth level at this point. So they're thinking they're pretty tough. They can take on what happens. And the minute that these purple creatures arrive, they just basically get the floor wiped with them. So these creatures took them to a hidden chamber inside of the temple and then did horrible things to them. And you can go into as graphic of detail as you know that your players can handle. Um, we don't go for gore here, so we didn't go into big um, bits of detail. Yes, but I believe we said exactly. They did horrible things to them. Yes, but our imaginations can certainly cover it. In the end of these horrible things, these purple creatures implanted a copper rod into each of these people that were in the adventuring group in different locations. Now, these copper rods are, yes, the same copper rods that the PCs have been finding over the last two sessions. They found one with the homunculus that originally came to try to find the coin on the raft, and they found one in the possession of one of the Sahawagan last time. That means that these copper rods have been taken from the bodies of some of these former adventurers. 
As you well know, these rods can be used to detect these items. In our campaign, we chose the special item to be coins. In your campaign, it could be something else. And these copper rods can detect them. The ranger has a copper rod embedded in his thigh, thus his limp, which we discussed last time. And he will not hesitate to drop his pants and show the PCs the rod embedded in his thigh. And it's embedded like a piercing, literally like right through top to bottom through the center of his thigh. These rods prevent those people from adequately using their powers. So as Tim had said, the characters of that adventuring group were 6th to 8th level. These rods have decreased their powers to that of a 2nd level character. Now they still have all the hit points, the defenses, and that sort of thing of a 6th to 8th level character. But in terms of their actual powers, they only have 2nd level powers and they have not been able to gain any sense. After they had this horrible encounter with these purple creatures, that adventuring party found themselves outside of the Star Temple with no star wand, no torchbearer, and implants that they certainly weren't expecting. So this is where things get that horror slash far realm feel, the Cthulhu feel that we sort of warned you would be coming. The other thing with this is after they got out of the Star Temple, they were pretty disheartened because they weren't able to finalize their quest for the king and the group disbanded. They had decided that the wizardess would take the rogue because he had gone completely insane and she had plans to try to save him. Right. She believed if she could remove the rod from his hand that he would be able to get back to normal. So she tried a procedure, a magical procedure, to remove the rod from his hand, which resulted in his death and... Destroying his very soul. Yes, all attempts at resurrection failed. You will find later that the wizardess is going to continue on her dastardly deeds. Yes, she definitely was heavily affected by the loss of her powers. She was a very ambitious court wizardess, and having this rod put an end to her powers made her just a little bit wacky. The playlist of this group of adventurers that the mentor, who in our group, his name is Kantos, and the ranger, whose name is Renar from our group, who runs the Hole in the Water Inn, is the ranger, the bogman, who everybody has insisted that the PCs go find, the mentor, the wizardess, the rogue, and then the torchbearer, who is now dead. So where are all these people now? This is like the VH1, where are they now segment? Well, the ranger's currently running the hole in the water end, and he's telling them this tale. And the bog man is living in, strangely enough, the bog. He had been a druid, and you will find that his rod is implanted in his arm. And he has also gone a little off, a little crazy. And if you'll remember the rumors from our first session about a crazy old man that lives in the bog, this is him. So the mentor, which we all know and love, had been a sorcerer, and his rod was implanted in his eye. So in our group, this made perfect sense because he had an eye patch, and so the eye patch was then covering this copper rod through his head. In your adventure, it is still important, even if that character has both eyes, that it is implanted in his head. Right, so he has a glass eye he didn't tell anyone about or something like that. The next character is the wizardess, who, as Tim had said, was an ambitious wizardess from the court. And she was fairly spiritually destroyed by the incident and lost the tiny shreds of morality that she might have formerly possessed. As we now know, the rogue is dead due to an unfortunate happening with the wizardess while trying to remove the rod from his hand. 
And then the torchbearer was killed before he even made it inside the temple. So Tim is going to explain the other special item that you had detailed in your world building. In our group, it was a bunch of coins. In your group, it might be something else. So the ranger will go on to explain that each of the former adventurers, a short time ago, less than a year ago, each received a box containing one of these items. And there was a note attached to the box saying that this item would eventually help them remove the rod from their body and regain their former powers, but that they were to hold on to it and make sure that no one else took it until they would be contacted about what to do next. So it's very important that the characters know that there are rods and there are special items and that the rods can detect the special items. The rods are either implanted in former characters, adventurers, or had been removed horribly from them. The interesting thing is that we know that one of the rods that the PCs have found, perhaps the one that the homunculus had, probably came from the rogue where it was removed. The more mysterious part is where did the other one come from? I'm still wondering that myself. Hmm, a mystery. And he won't tell me, folks. He won't tell me. <laughs> Gotta have some secrets. So we hope that your PCs then are going to settle down for the night and have a plan for the next day. And hopefully that plan will be one of two things. That they will immediately go into the bog looking for the bogman, as they have been urged to do by many people. Or they will decide they need to go check out the outpost because they're very concerned about how destroyed it is and this had been their former home. So Sergeant Rose is going to tell them that their mentor told them to seek out the bogman if anything happened. The ranger is going to tell them that their next best move is to probably seek out the bogman because if anybody knows what happened to the mentor, it's probably him. Uh, and then they'll also hear about town that the bogman is probably the one who might tell them about what happened with the Sahuagin attack. One way or the other, the bogman is going to encounter your PCs. So if they decide to go off and do something else other than go find the Bogman, he will find them and he will talk to them and he will explain to them that he believes he knows what happened to the mentor and that if they come to his hut, he will introduce them to some friends of his who can tell them where the mentor is. Once the Bogman finds them, he is going to either track them down and say, hey, please come to my hut. Here's the instructions on how to get there. Meet me there in a certain amount of time. Or they're going to go looking for them on their own. So when the PCs go into the bog towards the Bogman's hut, and they won't be going with the Bogman, they'll be going kind of on their own, and he'll do whatever it takes to have them sort of come and join him at a later time, they will find him face down in the bog, unconscious, having been caught by a snare and tripped and hit his head and fallen unconscious, and just about to be beset by a pack of Sturges. Now the Bogman really must survive this encounter, but just so that he owes his life to the PCs. And there's all kinds of reasons why that will be important. So we've provided a map for this encounter, which will also serve as the map for the final scene of the session. And this map has a swamp section, and then there's a swamp section that has these large standing stones in it. Now remember that there is water throughout this bog. That's kind of what makes it a bog. At its deepest, it is about three feet deep, but at its shallowest, it's about three inches deep. So they are kind of slogging through this one way or the other. It's made up of a series of land masses that are sort of risen up through the water and with water in between them. And they don't always have a bridge from one landmass to the other. So they actually have to jump across between them and slog through the water and that sort of thing to get there. And it'll be clear once you see the map. When the PCs come upon this scene, they are going to see a prone figure who, if they've already met the Bogman, they will be able to recognize him, unconscious on the ground. If they don't recognize him, they'll just see an old, kind of beat-up, grungy-looking guy 
by. Going on. We didn't realize it as we were recording because everything looked just fine, and it wasn't until I sat down to edit it, unfortunately, that we realized it was missing. So we will be re-recording the rest of this episode as soon as we possibly can, but we wanted to go ahead and get you this first half out as soon as we possibly could. So we will go ahead and update the feed once the second half is out, and until then, wait for our next episode, which is the actual play of this particular adventure. Cheers. You've been listening to Return to North Fork a podcast released under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 2.5 license by Tim White and Kim Stone. Our theme music is Charge of the Valiant from Dronalyn's Tower, Legends of Kithalyn, Volume 1, Tales of the Long Forgotten. Used by permission of its composer, David Allen Young. Find out more about their fantastic gaming music at dronalyn.com. Visit us and many other fine podcasts at spookyouthouse.com.